Northside family, it's good to be with you again. And my name's Nate. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, and what a great morning so far to see Bailey get baptized. And uh, would you welcome everybody in our video venue? We just want to remind them that we love them. We're for them. They're just across the hall. I mean, we know it's kind of a packed house in here. And uh, if this is your first time here or you missed last weekend, last weekend was a special weekend here in the uh, life of the Northside family. And maybe you saw it when you walked into the lobby. Uh, but last weekend, we partnered with World Vision as we did a chosen weekend. And I'm going to explain about what it is here in a moment. And then we're going to see a little highlight video of what went on this last week. Uh, but World Vision approached us and they said, hey, uh, you know, we would love to partner with you. They do child sponsors. They do a bunch of different things where they come alongside communities across the world. They literally help hundreds of thousands of kids all across the world learn about Jesus. They help build schools. They give clean water, supply food. And uh, really what we find is this. There's a lot of people that leave their countries not because they want to, uh, but because they literally can't stay there. They're either out of food or out of water, and nobody's there to help them. And we said last weekend, what if instead of us going out to the lobby and picking some packets and saying, that kid's the cute kid, you know, and I'm going to support them for $39 a month, and that's my kid. What if we flipped it, they said, and instead of us going out and picking the packets, what if we just simply signed up, took our picture, and then allowed the kids to choose us? And I got to tell you, this last week in Guatemala, I got to see this unfold and the dignity and the honor and the beauty of seeing kids and families come together and to know that someone has already chosen them and they simply get to choose who they want to be their sponsor. It was a powerful moment. And I just want to celebrate. This is the beauty of the life of the church because this is what the church is called to. We don't exist just for ourselves. We exist for who are not yet a part of us. And as a Northside family, this is so cool. You guys sponsored 819 kiddos last week. And it was a phenomenal And, and I know sometimes it's hard to go, what now? You, you know, we, we took a picture. And this is what we did. We literally took all 819 of your photos. And, and this week, Mark and Sam and I, we went down to Guatemala. And we went to two villages, uh, Aguacatan and Chalanta, who are in the northwest part of Guatemala. And what happens a lot, I mean, literally it was 10,000 feet up in a mountain. We were above the clouds. And these people, there's no city around them. They're kind of forgotten people. And actually, a lot of times what happens is this. They end up migrating because they go, if we don't leave, we're going to die up here. And you guys and your love have come flooding in. And just my words won't do it justice. And so I just want you guys to see a highlight video of what God did through your love and compassion this week in Guatemala. Take a look at this. Right now we are at Northside Christian Church in New Albany and we are with World Vision and we are letting kids choose us this weekend, which is so exciting. Literally so many people came out of service and they just flooded the lines to take pictures so that these kids get to choose their own sponsor. Okay. <laughs> We're given there an option to choose us as a way to experience the love of Jesus. I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, yeah, it'll exciting. be real emotional. Yes. Exciting. Just get as close on that orange X as we can. Right here. All right. Are you ready? Usually what happens with these things is the kids have to wait to be chosen. And World Vision has made it 
to where no kid is getting left out and no family is getting left out. So everyone's getting matched up with someone. I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> Church is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Man, the opportunity we have to step into the lives of others. I got to meet Wilder. It's a little boy who chose me and my family and got to meet his parents. Actually got to go to their house while I was there and see where they live. Got godly parents, beautiful family. And you know what's so cool about Wilder's story is this. His dad was a sponsored child. And that's how they were able to stay in that community. And now he said, thank you, because we love our community and we want to stay here. And because of your investment, our family can thrive. I was talking to, with his dad, Diego, in his house. And there's just a little two-bedroom house. He said, I built my house. And I said, that's incredible. How long did it take you to build it? I don't know how to build anything. I said, man, this is incredible. He goes, it took me 10 years, 10 years to build my house. Guys, we have no idea the lives that Jesus wants us to step into and the small ways that when we do this, that God says, I radically change the lives of those around you. I just want you to step into the shoes of others like I have stepped into your shoes and have changed your life with grace and mercy. And if you, uh, this is what I invite you, if you sponsored a child last weekend after the service, go out to the lobby, you'll find your envelope. Seven of you did not get chosen. I'm just joking, man. Like everybody, you're like, my gosh. Oh, who was it? 
All week, my life group text, text, kept texting me, have, have I gotten chosen now? I'm like, no, we're in the sixth round. You're still not picked yet, you know? And, uh, you know, they were having kickball flashbacks to being the last kid chosen in elementary. But here's what's so neat. When you go out there, if you signed up last weekend, you'll be able to get the packet and there'll be a picture in there of the kid who chose you holding your picture. And they uh, have written a letter to you about why they chose you, what it was that when they saw your picture, why they chose you. And I want to invite you, if you weren't here last weekend, to be a part of it. It's not too late. You can go out there. we got the photo booth still available and uh, to step in on that. And wouldn't it be something if we hit 1,000 kids? Right? Well, it's just like, man, we hit this mark where we go, man, God, we just we think you want to keep reaching more and more kids through your church, and we stepped up. And if you want to do it, we're not going back to Guatemala this week, but, uh, but what we'll do is this, uh, World Vision will send your photo down, and they'll set it up again, and they'll let kids in that community come and pick, and then they'll take a picture of that, and in three or four weeks, they'll send you back a picture. And this is just the beauty of God. This is why we call this series Shoes, and here's what's so cool about this. We didn't go looking for this. A matter of fact, I didn't know this opportunity was coming. We're only the third church that World Vision has worked with with this. They're about ready to go global with this whole thing next weekend. Uh, but we didn't go looking for this as a church. This came looking for us. And this is the way that God works. God is going, I'm always wanting the church to step into the shoes of others, whether you're looking for it or not. I'm looking for it because God is saying, I want to redeem all nation, all people, everywhere, all of humanity. That is who I made. That is who I love. And I'm doing this through the church. The church is to step up and into the shoes of others. And this is why we're doing the series of shoes because God is saying, man, I have more for you than you even have for yourself. Nate, I have more vision for you than Northside than you have for Northside. Would you just let me lead? Nate, would you step into everything I have for you? Northside, would you and I, would we step into all that God has? This is why we're doing this series. And maybe you want to write this down because it's not just that Jesus stepped into our shoes. That's what we read in John chapter 1, that he became flesh and blood and he dwelled among us. But this is also why, and you might want to write this down, that Jesus stepped into our shoes. And here's why. So we can keep in step with him. He's going, I've come to step into your life. I've come to save you. But here's the deal. I don't want to just save you. I have more for you. And I want you to keep stepping into all that I have for you. Some of you, you feel like, man, it's just done. It's just enough that you got saved. Or maybe like Bailey, man, you got baptized and that's good. And now just kind of Bailey kick back till heaven. And God's going, no, Bailey, no, Northside. I want you to keep in step with me. I have more for you. The only question is this. We're talking about shoes what type of shoes do you think Jesus wears? Kind of an odd question, isn't it? What, do you, what type of shoes? I'm not talking about sandals. I'm talking about what type of shoes do you think Jesus wants us to keep stepping into when he steps into our shoes? We have all sorts of shoes for certain things, right? These are my Sunday shoes, you know? Zappos, 50% off. I'm cheap. I'll own it, right? You know, and here's the deal. Here's why I bought them. I just wear them on Sunday. You won't catch me dead in these things during the week. These are my weekend shoes, you know. And so as we have shoes for church, we have shoes for school, we have golf shoes, right? We have shoes for this outfit. Your shoes matter. You're going to go hiking. You're not going to hike in these. You've got shoes that you're going to put on that you're going to step into, that's going to help you live and experience all that is possible. So what are the shoes that Jesus steps in that he wants us 
to where? See, this is where we got to get our minds wrapped around this idea because Jesus is saying, I want you to keep in step with me, but you got to understand the shoes that I'm wearing. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 1. It'll be up on the screen. I just want to finish verse 14 of John chapter 1 because John lays out what type of shoes Jesus wears. If you're going, I don't know what type of shoes he wears. He, He makes it clear as day. These are the shoes we are to step in and to be people who live in these shoes. Listen to what it says in John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He stepped into our shoes. He stepped into our life. But not only that, he says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. John says, we have seen the glory of God and Jesus. And here are the shoes that Jesus wears, full of grace and truth. Do you know the shoes that Jesus stepped into this world with, were the shoes of grace and the shoes of truth. See, a lot of times we think Jesus was 50% grace and 50% truth. This says he was full, 100% grace and 100% truth. Most of us in this room, we're one or, we're one or the other, aren't we? Some of us go, I'm just a truth teller. I'm going to tell it like it is. You ugly. You know what I'm saying? And you just, you just walk around and, and you just walk around telling people the truth. And don't elbow anybody. Don't pick anybody's hand up. They're like, don't point at them. You know, but this is what it is. Most of us, we're either one or the other. We're just truth tellers. I'm going to tell people like it is. Or we're going, man, we hate conflict. We're just going to give grace upon grace upon grace. And I'm not going to tell you the truth because then that means, you know, oh, that's, that's hard. I'll just give you grace. I hate conflict, right? I love people. Let's, can't, can't we all just get along? You know? And it's one of those sayings, let's not have conflict. Let's not have any of these problems. And Jesus says, no, the shoes I wear are full of grace and truth. This week when I came home from Guatemala, I was the fun parent. Anybody ever had that moment, right? Here, Ruthie, poor Ruthie's taking care of all three kids. She's been the disciplinarian. She's been the person who's got them ready. She's done all the hard work and dad comes home with gifts from Guatemala and they're like, see ya mom, dad. You know, and here I, my son Carter goes, dad, I think Guatemala has good trucks. Will you bring me one? I'm like, how do you know? You know, but Stopped by a little market, bought him home a little truck. I want for Zeke, got a little thing for Lily. And I became the fun parent. But here's the deal in parenting. You can't just be the fun parent and one be the disciplinarian. Both parents need to be the fun parent. And both parents need to be the disciplinarian. See, Jesus says it's not just that we are to be a church of grace or a church of truth. Y'all going to hell. Come to Northside, 945, 1130. Oh, yeah, I'll meet you there, right? (laughs) See, this is the whole thing. The order of this matters. And when Jesus, when John says this about Jesus, the shoes that he steps into this world is full of grace and full of truth. What he's saying is this, and maybe you felt this before, is he's saying when we step into the world with grace and truth, what I'm calling the church to do is I'm calling you to live in the tension of grace and truth. Here's what I mean. A lot of times, this is one of the best examples I've seen. You know, some of us, we just want to live with grace over here. And we don't want to talk about truth. We don't want to call anybody out to say, hey, man, that that might not be the best way to go. That might not be the best way, you know, to kind of live your life. And instead, we just want to live with grace and no truth. And here's what happens when we do that. We lose the tension. 
And we give grace, but we don't give truth to people. And when, if we're not careful, if all we do is we live over here with the truth and no grace, we lose the tension. And don't we know this? I love this phrase. Growth never happens in the comfort zone. Where does growth happen? Outside the comfort zone. And see, when Jesus says, I put on the shoes of grace and truth and I stepped into the world, Jesus stepped into this world full of tension, of loving imperfect people right where they were and, act, and at the same time going, I love you just as you are, but I love you so much, I can't leave you there. And I want to call you into my life and I want to call you into this. Well, what was he? Was he full of grace or was he full of truth? Yes. And can I be honest? My arms are burning right now. Are they shaking on the camera? You're like, yes, you're a weakling. Okay. But here's the deal. You'll even talk to fitness trainers. They'll work out with bands. They'll put bands around people's legs, around their arms, because they know this. When you put it on there, you will not grow. You will not get stronger until you enter into the tension. Most of us, this is why we're stuck spiritually, is because we're just grace or we're just truth. And Jesus says, those are not the shoes I came. I came full of grace and full of truth. My question for you today is this, what shoe do you need to step into? I've stepped into the shoes of grace for a long time. And grace is good. But grace without truth isn't the complete Jesus. And truth is good. But truth without grace is not the complete Jesus. My friend Caleb Kaltenbach wrote a book called Messy Grace because grace is messy. He's got a new book coming out called Messy Truth because the truth is messy. It's not always clear cut and easy. And I love the tension that he says about grace and truth. And this is from his book, Messy Grace. He says this, that love is the tension between grace and truth. Love is the tension. See, oftentimes this becomes our problem. If people don't agree with us, we quit loving them. Well, when Jesus entered this world, and before we knew him, and maybe you don't know Jesus yet, you need to understand he loved us way before we loved him. And Jesus lived in the tension. Because here's what begins to happen. When we lose out on the fullness of Jesus, we miss out on all that he has. When all we have is grace without truth, actually what Diedrich Bonhoeffer says is this, is that we make it cheap grace. Paul actually says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You were called to live in the grace of Jesus, to be free from your sin. But then he goes on to say this, but do not use your freedom, your grace, to indulge the sinful nature. Don't just go, well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. It doesn't matter what I do. He goes, don't do that. That's not of Jesus. You can't just say, well, I'm going to heaven. I'll make my shots. I'll call the shots now. No. He says, rather, rather than serve one another in love. And you know why he says serve one another in love? Because every time we abuse grace and do whatever we want, we actually end up taking advantage of other people. We use them in relationships. We use them in business. And we make people a means to our end. And Jesus says, oh, that's not the shoes I've stepped into. Paul goes on to say this, there 
Therefore, the entire law is summed up in the single command, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. He's going, man, I'm telling you, you're going to burn each other down. If we don't understand this whole thing, that it's not just grace without truth. And then he says this to the church in, in Ephesus. He goes, you know what, here's the deal. You can't just be truth tellers without grace. Because here's what happens. You might be right, but you will have the wrong heart. You ever had somebody tell you the truth and you go, yeah, you're right, but you know what? I don't like you. And the reason why we say this is this, because deep down we know they just want to be right. They really don't care about us. And Paul says, no, that's not the way of Jesus either. It's not grace or truth. It's yes. And listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. He says, instead, speaking the truth in what? In love. You don't just get to walk around bashing people. We speak the truth in love. And he says, and here's what will happen. In the tension of that, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. God doesn't want to tear us down. God wants to build us up. He wants to grow us into his image. He wants us to look more like him than we do. But he's going, you've got to enter into the tension of my shoes. You've got to step into my shoes that I have of grace and truth. Matter of fact, John the Baptist says this in John chapter 1, verse 29. When he sees Jesus, he describes grace and truth in the best way. I'm going to let him summarize it for me. It says this, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, it said the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said this, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Do you hear the grace and truth in that? Man, the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb of God, that God would be so gracious. God didn't send his leftovers. God didn't send his, an angel. God didn't just send a servant. God sent the best. He sent his son. The sacrificial lamb, grace, who will take away the sins of the world. The reality and the truth of who we are. Broken people, grace and truth. Grace and truth. It's who Jesus is and it's the shoes that he wants you and I to step in to. Matter of fact, here's what I want to do. Some of us are going, Nate, that sounds good, but man, you today are living in the tension. You're going, I don't know how to move forward. And what we're going to do is this. We're going to look at how Jesus lived in the tension of grace and truth. We're going to let his life be the one that guides us forward because he's going, I want you to step into everything that I have. And today he's going to challenge you. Maybe you need to grow in his grace. Maybe you need to grow in his truth. Look how he began to lead others and live this out. In John chapter 1, verse 37, look what happens here. It says, when the two disciples, and these are two of John the Baptist's disciples, when they heard him say, look, behold the Lamb of God who takes us away the sins of the world. When they heard him say this, they began to follow Jesus. They began to go, I want to step into his shoes this grace and this truth. I want to step into who he is. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked this. I love this. What do you want? You hear the grace in that? Hey, what, do you, what do you want? You know, what's interesting today as I read some more reports. They said one of the number one qualities, if you want to be a good employee... If you want to be a good spouse, if you want to be a good 
friend. You know what they're circling now? They're saying the number one thing you need to do is this. If you want to be good at, at work and marriage and friendship and life, they said this is the number one quality you need to possess, that you would listen. You would listen to people. You see the first thing Jesus did? Here these guys are. They're like, man, I think I, think I, I, I want to follow you, Jesus. And he doesn't go, okay, please do. I'm lonely. Matter of fact, can you get 10 other people? Because I need 12, right? I need a posse. No, that's not what he says. He didn't say that. He just simply starts with, well, what do you want? I love one of the most popular phrases of this. I think this could be a great way for us to live as a church. It says this. And this would be a great way to live tomorrow, maybe today, maybe tonight is this. Don't try to be interesting, but be interested. Don't try to be interesting, but be interested in those around you. Listen, love, care for who is around you, and listen what they said. He just simply says, well, what do you want? And they go, well, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? They, they want to learn more. They got questions. And simply Jesus says, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. And it was about the 10th hour. And what's incredible is this. Jesus starts by going, hey, what do you want? Well, we, you know, we think you're the Messiah. We got all sorts of questions. We'll just come and see. Deep in the Greek, I think it says that they ate wings and Mountain Dew, right? But I'm not certain. But I think when they went to his house, like we would, we go, man, come over. Let's talk. Let's break bread. Let's hear the questions. Jesus is leading with relationship. He's going, come on with your questions, man. He's loving. He's going full of grace because he knows this. If I don't lead with grace, we'll never get to the truth. Come on with your questions. It's all right. And the beautiful thing begins to happen in verse 40. Listen what happens after this. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to go find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Brought him to Jesus. And I love this scene because if you know anything about the Bible, if you're learning about the Bible, it's Peter, Simon here, who goes on to preach the first sermon in Acts chapter 2 when Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit comes. This is the beginning of his journey with Jesus. And he brings him to Jesus and Jesus looked at him. He looks at Simon and he says, you are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means translated as Peter, which means the rock. Jesus was way ahead of Dwayne Johnson, right? Everybody's an imitation of Jesus. But I love this whole, how everything's lined out. And don't we love it? Don't we love to see people to come to Jesus? Love to celebrate. Man, 300 people this year have given their life to Jesus. Unbelievable, the work of God. But can I be very quick to point this out? You might want to write this down. Spiritual change always begins with relational commitment. We love to see lives changed like Simon becoming Peter. But can I tell you this? All of that spiritual change that happened in this passage started with Jesus' relational commitment to Andrew. Too often times, this is our problem as followers of Jesus. We start with people's spiritual change, and once they change, then we'll relationally commit to them. This is not the way of Jesus. The tension of Jesus is this. 
to love people right where they are, even if they don't agree with you. This is how you know you're growing in spiritual maturity. When you can disagree with somebody and still want the best for them. That's some tension right there, isn't it? I'll take your silence as agreement, okay? You know. Here's the deal. All life change, all life change is a byproduct of relational commitment. Relational commitment. That's what Jesus was committed to us. This is the God of the Old Testament. This was the covenant God who said, even when you're not for me, I'm for you. And this is the way you and I are to love the world. Even when you're not for God, we're for you. And we're relationally committed to you. And we know this as we continue to be committed and we continue to love people full of grace and full of truth, God is going to bring the life change. Our job is to live in the tension and to live in the shoes of Jesus. It says it is the shoes of grace and truth. Matter of fact, it goes on and it even gets deeper about this. If these are the shoes of Jesus, it says in verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. So Jesus, he goes and he finds Philip and he said to him, follow me. Philip, I want you in this relationship. I want you to follow. I want you to live life with me. I've come to step into your shoes. I want you to step into my shoes. This is what happens when we become a follower of Jesus, that we follow him. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote about Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now listen to Nathanael's response because some of us, we get all fired up. We're going to go out there and we're going to bring people to church and bring them to the Lord. And then this is how they respond to us. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. It's kind of like people in Michigan. Indiana? Can anything good come out of there? You know, people here in Indiana were like, Kentucky? Y'all can't even kick a field goal. I'm sorry, too soon, too soon, too soon. Live in the tension, live in the tension. You people in Kentucky are like, Tennessee? Can anything good come out of Tennessee? And the people in Tennessee are like, nope, we're weird. We'll own it. And we're just, the line stops here. Philip, he goes and he gets, you know, he goes and he gets Nathaniel. Man, I, we found Jesus. You guys leave church all fired up. I'm going to share everybody with you. Nazareth, Northside. And you're like, oh, oh, man. Listen to what Philip responds with. He simply says this in verse 46. Doesn't argue. Doesn't tell Nathaniel, well, you're an idiot. (laughs) So we want to say sometimes. Know what he said? Just come and see, man. Just come and see. Just come and hang out. Come and experience this church family. We don't ask anybody to believe in Jesus without developing a relationship first. As a matter of fact, you can't believe in Jesus without a relationship. (laughs) That's what he wants with you. That's what he came to give us. It's who he is. Philip just simply does what Jesus did. Hey, just come and see. And it says this, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. 
That's why some of you, you've come here today, maybe you're in the past, and you weren't a follower of Jesus, and you walked in, and somebody's up here preaching. You're like, have you been in my emails? Have you been reading my text messages? Yep. No. (laughs) It's because God knows who you are. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants to redeem your life. He wants you to step into his grace and his truth. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. That whole fig tree is like, what, what is that about? I didn't know this, but the fig tree is really kind of like the, the national mark for Israel at that time. And it also meant this, the fig tree would provide shade. And it was under the fig tree that people would study the Torah, the first five books of the Bible together. Meaning this, Jesus knew Nathaniel was asking questions. He was hungry for answers. He didn't have peace in his life. Some of you are there today. You're hungry. You might be agnostic. You may be atheist. And you're going, hey, I know I might be that, but there's a hunger in my heart. And I don't have the answers yet. And I'm going after this. And this is what Jesus says. He goes, I know, man. And and I've got grace and I've got truth for you. Bring your questions to me. He says, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. When he saw the relationship that Jesus had for him. Here it comes again. The byproduct of relationship is spiritual change. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. Then he added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Meaning you are going to see the fullness of God through Jesus. See, it's not just about Jesus is the one way to the Father. Jesus is the way that the Father came to the earth. This is the beauty of God's redemptive story. But here's what we've got to understand. If we're going to live in the grace and the truth, it's not just that spiritual change begins with relational commitment. It's also this. I love this phrase I heard a long time ago. That found people find people. That found people, when you place your hope in your life in Jesus, like Philip When Philip began to follow Jesus, he went and he found Nathanael. Here's the calling of the church. This is why chosen such a, just a small, great way for the church to go and find people. Because this is our calling. This is what it means to live in the shoes of Jesus. That we would be people of grace and we'd be people of truth. Because the world deeply needs the full picture of Jesus. And the full picture of Jesus is not just a church that's in it for themselves. The full picture of Jesus is a church that is in it for the world. That says, God, we want to step into everything that you have for us. We know there's going to be tension. We know there's going to be persecution. We know there's going to be people who hate us. And we are going to love them just like you loved us. And we're going to tell the truth of you, but we're going to love people as well. And what we're going to begin to see is all of this life change move forward because we are relationally committed to you. It was amazing this week in Guatemala. As I got to stand outside the window and watch the kids begin to choose from the pictures. And I remember the kid, Wilder, who picked me. It took him seven minutes to pick. And I won't lie, in the middle of that seven minutes, I'm like, come on, my man. We got 819 kids, right? Let's go. 
until he picked my picture. Translator asked him, what took you so long? He said, well, and they had us, me, Mark, and Sam, get up in front of all the families before they just said, hey, these are the pastors from Northside. They want to love you. They want to tell you about the love that Northside has for you. Northside is for you. He said, when I saw you up there, I felt my heart. I want to pick him so I can meet him. And he said, the reason why it took so long is this. I couldn't find your picture. You take as long as you want, young man. <laughs> we got all day. To feel the love of someone choosing you. To feel the power of someone seeking you. That's the love of our Father for you and this world. And he's simply saying, Northside, would you step into my shoes of grace and truth and be relationally committed to this world? And you will see greater things than this. Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you that you've chosen us to be a part of your kingdom when, Father, we've done nothing to deserve it. But yet that is your love. You came after us. You sought us. You seek us. And you don't just seek us. You seek all of your creation, all of humanity. And so, Father, we just simply pray that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to step into your shoes of grace and truth this week. Father, would you overwhelm us with your love and your mercy so that we know this is not of us, but everything we do is of you. Father, I, I just thank you for your church here. What a blessing to be a part of this, that you would call us your sons and daughters and you would send us into the world to make a difference. Jesus, would we listen to you this week so that your love may abound. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said together, Amen. Hey, go pick up your packet or go sign up to be a part of Chosen.